Uh, we're at Stratus Media Group here uh, April 27th, Saturday. Pretty crazy event going on in Virginia Beach. Something in the water with Pharrell's group. But, um, you know, here we've got Hollywood Chill 757 uh, with Erman Barati from Ermontourage. So uh, great to have you back and home in Virginia Beach. Erman, welcome back. And uh, you brought some friends with you. Yes, yes, sir, I did. Uh, I'm very happy to be back home. It's been six months since I've been here last, so it's always good to be in the VA. In the VA? Did I even say that right? Who says the VA? Oh, you're so Hollywood now. Look so, at you. So Hollywood. I lost all my roots. In, uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, that what happens. That's what happens when yeah. you move out west. Yeah. <laughs> With us today, we've got Mellow X. Yeah. What Platinum up? record producer and also Yasmin Tanrez. Yes. Hello. <laughs> she has a long list, a long bio. I could go on and on, but it won't stop. But she's just one of a kind and the beautiful Miss why, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Romeo. Yep. Thank you for having us. Yeah, she's I. Yeah, word. She's I. <laughs> <laughs> Just came from across the pond, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Landed Mel, in Virginia. Yeah, so Mel, um, you know, again, thanks for coming down. I know you've got a busy schedule. You've been bouncing yeah. around and um, touring all over the world and, and yeah. doing a lot of different projects, multi-talented, multi-fascinated. Um, it's just great to have you in the VA area in the 757 uh, but first, let me before we get off, let me just say congratulations on the baby that's being expected. Yeah, yeah, Clap, everybody. that's Clap. right. <laughs> Having a boy, right? Baby boy, yo. Yeah. What was his name again? Nah, nah. <laughs> You're catch not gonna get slipping. me like that. You ain't <laughs> gonna to catch, catch me slipping. <laughs> it's too easy, man. Yeah. Fair so um, yeah, so we're looking forward to the Q and A session. I know um, Yasmin, you've been doing these for a while now with uh, Erman and and back in L A. And um, I know we hooked up Erman back in February doing your whatever the event was, it was called at Station 1640 yeah. in LA, which is a good spot. Um, so we're looking forward to bringing that here to Hampton Road. So, um, you know, so tell us, Melo, what have you been up to, man? What's what's new and, and what you got going on? So- I've been in uh, preparing for daddy mode. That's what I've been on. <laughs> yeah, I've just been uh, taking care of my girl, Corey, just, you know, cooking, you know, cleaning, be- becoming a cleaner person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cleaning up after myself and shit. But, um, yeah, I've just been really focused on that. And the last three years, uh, I've worked on a lot of music and a lot of uh, just more of the visual art side and just kind of figuring out the right time to put it out. So starting next month, I'll be releasing more music and uh, more visual stuff, more things that I've been working on. Ultimately, has that led you to kind of prepare for the point that when you do become a father, so you take a little break after and you're still churning things out that you've been working on? Yeah, so I have it, you know, my plan is that as I'm in daddy mode, I'll have all of this, like, content that I could just put out and kind of build the, you know, suspense for, like, a show or a tour or something. And those first, you know, few months or, like, six, five months or so, I could just kind of be... This is me and my son. Like, that's fire. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. It says uh, having a baby your fatherhood changes a man. You're going to become yeah, a... Yo. Your style going to change a little bit? A little bit softer? Oh, definitely. Are softer side of mellow coming out? No, nah, I mean, I'm going to just start dressing like a corny dad. Like, <laughs> I'm dead ass on some corny dad mode when the baby comes. Yo. Well, you, you are into fashion as well, so I'd be really intrigued to see your daddy mode style. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing, though. My dad mode gonna be, is going to be wavy, you know? So yeah, Maybe yeah. you can pull off some dad jeans, but like make them actually fly. Yeah, yeah. I've been wearing dad jeans though but you know Pete, like it, it has a different cut so it don't feel like dad jeans but i want to go full on like dad mode yo. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um i know we were talking early when you first got in um you know i've been doing a little bit of research on you it was going way back in uh 
your YouTube yeah, videos from you get lost back in the, in the day. <laughs> yeah. Just seeing how, you know, you, you got started. We were talking about, you know, you growing up being, you know, six years old and how you really found out you got your passion and love for, for what <clears> you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just take us down that road, man, of when that all started and how, you know, you, you woke up and you just started, you know, playing with, uh, you know, music and, and going down that road. Well, yeah, I mean, my, my mom, uh, she bought me... Before she bought me this toy recorder, I had like a a small toy piano, which I still have. Oh. So that was like the first, like just as a baby, just like bing, 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 making noise. It's like I like making noise. I was like always running around doing something crazy, breaking shit, breaking myself, cutting myself, all kind of just messing myself up, just being wild. But a lot of that wild energy turned into like me creating music and loving sound. Um, so yeah, so she bought me a toy recorder and I just started recording everything. Um, I record myself. I record like, I still have the tapes. Like I have me and my sister doing like your mama so fat jokes, like contests, <laughs> like yo mama so fat. And I'll be like, boo. You know what I'm saying? Like going back and forth. So I was just recording life, you know, just documenting life at, uh, at like that age. Um, and I got intrigued with my voice being in something outside of myself, like being on a tape and I could like record something over that and then just learn, just like making my own mixtape. I didn't even know I was making that at the time, but I would record the radio. Um, and that's when I first, like it had a mic and I didn't know what scratching was. Mm -hmm. So when you listen back to it, you'll hear me like scratching the mic on the speaker because I thought that's what the DJs were doing. So I'll just be like, you just hear like the music regular and then you just hear. <laughs> so I was just like learning about sound from like real, real young age. Um, and then ultimately um, you you got your foundation in sound design. Mm-hmm. Do you, How had that helped you from the wild days of being a kid, trying and whatever, trial and error, mm-hmm. and then going into some form of a structure that you had learned. Had that morphed you a little bit or amplified some of the uh, like sound settings? Oh, well, with sound design specifically, um, I would say me, so me and my friend, uh, Lil Friday, my best friend, we, we did these mixtapes. And what we would do, it was like, You'd have like DJ Clue mixtapes. You'll have like uh, Cutmaster C. You have all these different, you know, mixtapes, these different uh, DJs. And it's basically the mixtape had all the exclusives, right? So exclusive music, exclusive stuff from like Jay or from whoever's like the illest, you know, artist at that time on the come up in New York or whatever. So we would listen to all of the radio stations all the djs had their own night so like k slade was on thursday dj clues on monday green lanterns on sunday and they sometimes they would play the same track as an exclusive but dj clue would put his like sound bites and his drops somewhere and you know green lantern would put his drops somewhere different so we would record all of them and then line them up and cut out where they put the drops and then we would have like a clean version of this super new track so that kind of like doing that and learning how to, because we were recording on tape, I had to learn how to like get the hiss out, like, you know, the, the noise and different things. So that kind of was my first venture into dealing with sound outside of just recording music, but like dealing with the other aspects of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I would say 
I w- when I went to the Institute of Audio Research, um, that was a school in New York. That's where I had a class that was like a sound design class. So basically, they would give us a clip. Like one of the clips was like uh, was Speed with Keanu Reeves. Like when the when the train is like going through and it's about to like bust through the wall and go like outside or whatever. Whatever is had the bus like is like uh, some wild shit is happening. But anyway, they would give it to us with no sound and be like, you know, create the sound of it, create what's right. happening. So I had to like, you know, then they had like a whole sound library that you had to go through. So I had to be like, all right, I need a bus engine sound. Boom, look at that. All right, the bus is going from left to right. So I have to visually, if I'm watching it, I need to feel like it's going from here to there, left to right. So how does how do you do that, you know, sonically? You know, it's more than just panning because it's like over there, you're not hearing all of the low-end rumble. When it gets close, that's when you're hearing it. And then as it goes away, you're hearing more of the high-end. So so you got to be very intuitive. You got, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, like, just doing that over and over and then, you know, implementing it into my music, I would always put, like, nature sounds and, like, wind and, you know, birds and all kind of shit. And then watching, like, 2001 Space Odyssey, mm. Shit like that and just like tapping into the visual, but then watching it without even just looking at it, just hearing everything, how that's, you know, how that works. Um, yeah, that's how I like really got into that's sound so design. so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Like you're using all the elements and then as well like sounds. It's just, it's interesting. And going back to your journey of having like produced your own music essentially from such a young age and then refining as as you go along. You know, you, you kind of were discovered in a way, but you were fascinated by, like, platforms like MySpace. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you mentioned Lady Gaga at some point when we were mm-hmm, conversing mm-hmm. earlier on. So, you know, for, like, people who want to have their own unique voice be taken seriously, but also, you know, <clears throat> mixing it with their idols like you did yourself, like, what advice can you give people to p- produce and 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 not feel like they're taking anything away from anybody? Um, well, I mean, for me when I first started learning, it was all it was all about uh just just studying the masters or who I deemed the masters for for me personally, which was like as producers, it was like Easy Moby and like Jay Dilla and like I I used to get Scratch magazine that was like a lit magazine like I had every Scratch magazine that read every article like 10 20 times I just go back to the same article to learn about like sampling you know just like oh these are like you know the hurts that were in this kind of like uh drum machine so I'm using Fruity Loops a laptop but I know how to like make it sound like it's from that you know so just doing a lot of that and like studying them, but also building my own sound um, and not just trying to replicate what they did, but doing it in a way of learning. Like, right, I'm going to learn how they chopped, how they did certain things so that I could like implement it into my own, you know, and not just copy paste mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I think that's a good, I feel like that's a good starting point. Just like try to match this, this, the shit that you like, you know? Um, I didn't put that music out that that was just like, you know, just making like 10 beats every day after school. Just like, all right, this week it's, you know, Mob Deep week. So I listen to all Mob Deep albums. Anytime there was a drum that was like solo, I just took it like, oh, that's a snare. That's mine. Oh, yeah. that's a kick. Oh, that's a, you know what I mean? I just like 
I just had a whole library of like this is from Outkast, this is from you know, and just study how them shit sound, and then from there is like now that I have all this basically the colors on my palette. Now I could start drawing my own shit, mm-hmm. you know. So do you ever go back and listen to your old tracks you've kept from way back yeah. then and think like, man, what the fuck was I thinking? Yes, like, Damn, that sounded like all the shit. time. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah, all yeah. the time. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that sounded fire. Like I gotta do that again, like you know. But mm-hmm. most of it, I'm like, oh, shit, sounded. The voice is up here. This is down here. But it's like I wasn't going to school at the time for it. I was just like in the hood, just in my on my block in my crib. You know, between me and my my best friend Freddie's crib, like this recording, mixing, learning as we yeah. as we went. And as you were saying, you grew up with a lot of guys. You still uh, roll with today who who are part of your team, yeah. or, or people you grew up with. I mean, kids from like you said, Claude. You and him mm-hmm, go back from mm-hmm. six years old, and yeah, yeah, and that. So that's you know, visionary Derry, you <laughs> call him. He was a DJ back then, right? Yeah, he DJed. Um, <clears throat> he also produced and like managed other artists, but he was like the main DJ or person that I knew as a DJ that was doing mixtapes like in high school when he was in high school. So who's the guy on the block? Who's the kid that everyone knew? You're like, oh. It was, it was, it was him, it was I would say, as far as like, yeah, like mixtapes, having mixtapes out, like having them circulate throughout Flatbush, like in his high school. And when I went to high school, <clears throat> me and Freddie, I was, my 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 friend uh, Frigga, he was the DJ, DJ One Way, and I was, like, the assistant DJ. So I would, like, I would go, like, when we had parties, I would set up all the gear. You know, I was, like, I could rig anything. We call it nigger rigging. Like, I'm a nigger rig this shit. Like, I'm going to make it work somehow. You know what I'm saying? So we just set it up, set it up, boom, boom, boom. And then he would DJ. I would pass him the records. Like, you know, I was good at, like, putting the records in a certain sequence, like BPM, keys. Like, yo, these go together. These are good. And then he'll, like... He'll just be able to ask me for something, and I know exactly where to go get it in the, you know, in the crate. That was like when we had crates, like, <laughs> you know. But it's crazy because my my like DJ time is like, like now I DJ off a USB stick. Like I just plug that in, and it's like all the music I play. But when I started, it's definitely like I still have all of my my vinyl, you know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so DJing, uh, he visionary Daddy, He definitely was like the main dude, and also like a mentor he put me onto a lot of music you know a lot of different music that i wasn't looking for at that time i was more into like the mixtapes and stuff like that and i definitely got into like listening to different styles of things but he was just older just into different music listening to different djs and you know putting me onto like different spots in the city i was under age sometimes he was like yo just let him in i'm gonna watch him he's not gonna drink just let him in da, da, da. you know so i get it i get to hear like different djs um play music that i, didn't, I never heard before so all of that kind of just helped tailor my i guess my style you know how i do my shit so you have a, like a lot of there are a lot of artists right now young artists who are in the bedroom doing their thing you know so what technologies and platforms would you recommend for them to take advantage of <clears throat> i would say whatever's the latest whatever is the I wouldn't say whatever the latest. I I mean, yes and no, because for me, like, honestly, when I first was making music, I did not want to put my music online because I was, I was on some, like, I'm not doing this for money, man. This is for the art. Like, I don't care who listens for me. And my, my boy, Freddie, Little Friday, 
Lil Friday, Frigga, Freddy. If I say those, I'm talking about the same person. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so Lil, I'm saying Lil Friday now. So Lil Friday, he was like, yo, if you want to make, if you want to do this and make music, like, you got to put your stuff online. I was like, all right, you do it. So he just took all my music and made it MySpace, and he was running it. A few months later, he like, yo, your MySpace is popping. I'm like, what? He's like, yo, shit is popping, son. Like, come check it out. Like, look, you could do this there. I was like, oh, I see now. Like, it made me, it clicked. Like, oh, I could just be here and just put it out, and then it'll reach people. That was like the gateway open. Like, oh, all right. So for me, MySpace was like the newest, latest thing, you know? And we were doing CDs and mixtapes, which is more of like, that was also a thing, but it still was like, a. Not, it wasn't dated at that time. This is like, I'll say like 2003, you know, 2004. Um, it wasn't dated. It was like, you know, the thing to do, like have mixtapes. But MySpace was real new, real, real new. And I jumped on that quick and put my music out and started meeting people off of MySpace, getting DJ gigs getting shows you know i used to do open mics every week same open mic over and over and over just learning how to be on stage so i would say you know you as far as getting your music out <clears throat> for me i use like whatever whatever was like the best tool at the time i just utilized it to the max and like stayed consistent i think with whatever you're doing whatever platform i think consistency is key you know if you just like some people do the wackest shit consistently and blow up off of doing the wackest shit consistently instead of like one time do some whack shit, everybody hates it. Okay, I'm not going to do it no more. Some people's like, fuck that. I'm going to do this whack ass shit over and over and over and then they blow up, you know? So <laughs> the same energy with something that's dope, that's resonating, that's, you know, making sense or has some kind of um, message or whatever it is, like as long as you're consistent with it, like that's mm -hmm. key, you know? It also kind of sounds like, you know, you have such a great support structure going back to like growing up with some friends that you still collaborate with and then having your partner push you forward on MySpace, for instance. Yeah. And now going on to the topic of DJing <coughs> still, like you started this event with a Jasmine. Back yeah, yeah, yeah. In Jasmine York, Solano. Right? Mm -hmm. And so you do your like electric panani mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, DJing mm -hmm. and that's just like picked up massively that yeah. you go all around and that showcases again when you find that sort of yeah. collaborative creative partner it works so well like you make it work so yeah. how like I mean for example with Jasmine how did you connect with her or how have you always well, before you get into that explain electric punani okay yeah and so, how did so that name that, come about yeah. too let's all break right. it down so, the, so the, the folklore goes like this <laughs> it was once a dark night in downtown Brooklyn no, I'm sorry. See, I fucked up already. Nah, it was in the city, <laughs> <getting> downtown. <laughs> downtown, uh, this club called 205 at the time. That was the name of it. And I was there just, you know, random night. Um, I forgot who was DJ. Upstairs might have been, like, DJ Equal. And then downstairs was, like, I don't know who was downstairs. But <clears throat> anyway, upstairs was more like electro at the time. That was like the electronic music called electro. That was upstairs. And then downstairs was dance hall music, like just reggae dance hall. So I would just go upstairs, downstairs, just like up, down, just like, you know. And all these other parties I went to, I would hear, you know, different kind of music. Roxy Cottontail was doing a lot, of, a lot of events around that time that I went to. But for this party specifically... I was like, you know, had a lot of drinks, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, oh, I'm loving life. And I was upstairs 
and then it was something playing, and then it was like you know something playing like four to the floor, and then. I was going downstairs and it was a dance hall song playing and the dance hall song was kind of four to the floor, but it had the dance hall elements. But for some reason at that particular point, like the songs were blending and I was like, just drunk. It's like, uh, and I was in, yeah, be, in between, I was just like in, in on the steps. Like I was like, yo, this shit is, yo, this shit is fire. Like, oh, I'm a, and then I went home and started doing like remixes, different things like that. And I was like, yo, it'd be dope if it was a party that mixed these two elements that I, at that time, it was like nothing really mixing like that. Um, and me and Jasmine had been doing a few parties. So I was just like, yo, Jasmine, I got an idea for this party, right? It's going to be electro. It's going to be dance hall, hip hop. It's going to be all the stuff that we love together that people don't play. It's always this kind of party or this. We're going to do it together. Wow. And it's going to be called Electro Pum Pum. <laughs> and she was like, I love the idea, but yeah. that no. <laughs> so she was like, "How about electric punani?" I was like, "Oh, that's fine." <laughs> but basically, electric was like the electronic music, the yeah. electronic aspect of it, and then punani was just like a word that, um, you know, it 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 means basically vagina right. in, in <laughs> dancehall music, you know. But it's also like just the masculine, feminine, you know. Um, also say- in Hawaii, punani is like a flower. You know yeah, what that's what I so we just started yeah. research a lot of just like the words that we're using as well you know masculine feminine like the connection between me and her coming together to do music so it had a lot of layers when we did and it was like really like people would say and it'd be like ooh like what's that you know so that aspect definitely worked as well it's, it's like a world opener you know? yeah and then there wasn't there were there weren't any parties like that as far as like you know downtown the parties that we were doing the events that we were doing so we did that and the first one we did at 205 it kind of like had a real good turnout and then we started doing them at this club called Sway um with Roxy Cottontail that was her her event was on Mondays and that's when it like really blew up we had like one party with like 300 400 people outside trying to get in and the club only holds like 200 but Sway was crazy because outside would be like a party too you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. people just come through and just be outside or some like, yo, I'm just chilling outside. And the inside was crazy, so, yeah. But see, here's the thing. Here's the beauty about your music, um, or your, your type. It's like, when you listen to your tunes, and, and this is something I was saying earlier on, it's this whole element of surprise where mm. you're listening to one part of it, you're like, okay, I get it. And then something just injects in there where you're like, wait, what? Mm. Where did this come from? And then it's like, okay, let me listen more. And it just goes into like different journeys, like different chapters of a book where you're fully shocked. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, is that why Beyonce and Jay-Z may have picked up on you? Like, what happened there in, in that part? Well, I would say with B specifically, she she liked how I uh, just manipulated her voice with my remixes and stuff. Like, I, she just liked that it sounded weird, but it sounded, like, on point as well. And, you know, she's definitely into, like, experimentation with her shit. Well, how did that call go? Was it- <laughs> the call? I mean, was it a call? Was it an email? Uh, my friend Quasi, who works with it, he's a creative director that works with it. He's real dope, and I've learned a lot from him. He, I believe, he he's the one who put it on to my music specifically. But um, it was a a uh, 
live performance version of a remix I did that she saw and really liked. But the project that I did was called um, Yonsei X, and it was a remix project. And that was basically a series of projects that I've been doing since 2006 or so. Um, the first one was Amy Winehouse, um, Back to Black. I remixed that. That was like MySpace. I, I made like a, a separate MySpace just for that project. Love Amy Winehouse. Put, put it up on MySpace. It got like mad followers on MySpace and people like hitting me up, you know, wanting to download. I had to like create like a, that was like Z share. Like you had to like mega upload or something like that. <laughs> download link, people download. I sent it to Mark Ronson. He was like, yo, this is fire. So he started, he played it on his East Village radio station and he started just playing my other music that I made as well. So that kind of opened it, you know, just unlocked the thing like, oh, like this is something that's unique to me that people fuck with. So let me do it again. Um, so after that, I did, I think I did, I did an Amy Winehouse one. I did a Raphael Sadiq one. I did, then I did a Maxwell one and that one blew up as well. And Maxwell hit me up like, yo, this is fire. And Sony like bought the rights to some of the remixes and they, they played it on his tour. They still play like at the end of his tours and stuff. And I still do work with him. Like I'll remix stuff every now and then. But just the idea of doing something unique to me that I liked that was like, I wasn't necessarily making money off of it because it was just like remixes, this other people's music. I was just jacking it basically. But doing that thing, I did an Erica Badu one as well. Um... But yeah, doing that kind of built an energy around my remix projects. So when I did the Yonsei X one, <clears throat> the way I did that, so she she released her album, uh, the self-titled album, and I was like, this shit is fire. I hear so many elements. It's like, as I'm inspired by it, is like my brain also when my brain starts to go into producer mode while I'm listening, like, ooh, I would sample that. Ooh, I'm like, oh nah, I gotta do it. So it came out like on some midnight shit came out. Then by like the end of the day, or like the end of the next day, I already had the whole thing done, like at one time. That was that quick. That quick. And then what I did, it was like six it made like six tracks. Then what I did for her, she released a video for each song, which was like, you know, monumental at that time for an artist of her caliber to put a whole project out like that. So what I did, that was back when Instagram had like only 15 second videos you could put up. And that was like brand new, like Instagram, you could put videos. So I hit up all of like, I just hit up different um, creatives and directors. It was like, yo, here's a remix project, next one that I'm doing. And let's make videos for each song and just put on Instagram or some Instagram shit. Not even YouTube. Like, we just gonna put on Instagram. So I had, like, I believe Young Jake did one. I did, like, two. I um, can't remember all the other ones. But I put, what I did was, before I put the music out, I just uploaded one video on Instagram. Boom. And that shit started blowing up. Everyone was like, yo, what is this? What's going on? Da -da. Then the next hour, like, the first one was, like, 11 a.m. And the next one I put out, like, 12, like, boom here's the next one yo what is this what's you know and then by like i would say by like 1 p.m i had mad media outlets in my dms like you know vice revolt mad people like yo we want to release this like yo we want to put this out so i was like ah this is lit you know what i mean so i was like all right yo you want to put it out you gotta do an article you got ah, you gotta mention every director that i worked with on the video shit you gotta post the videos you got you know like my way type shit uh -huh. it's like yes mm. let's do it you the know? arts of negotiation. Yeah, because it's coming out. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's like you know, 
create the creative currency. I right. just I just mm-hmm. find the value in my creative currency, you know. Mm-hmm. So doing that, then I put out the the project on SoundCloud, and it started blowing up like mad plays. Like it was about to hit like you know in the hundred thousands, like then then you know five hundred thousand plays. Then like whoa whoa, and then it just started getting take down like ripped off boom boom rip 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 i'm like damn it should get taken down you know because her her label's taking it down because obviously i'm some random person with all these different remixes of her shit that i'm just posting up you know so but at the same time quasi who was also a supporter fan of mine he was like yo gave it to her like listen to this you know, and then he hit me like, yo, she likes the, the EP. That was enough for me. I was like, oh, that's lit. Because I remember when this happened prior, you know, with Mark Ronson, Amy, with Maxwell, his company buying. So I'm like, dope. This is happening again where the, the artist heard it and fucked with it. I. Right. But then after that, I was like, all right, let me take this further. You know, I, I do a lot of stuff in like the art space. So... I was like, you know, and I do a lot of live remixes. I have a lot of that on my YouTube as well. Yeah. Making live beats and shit. Mm-hmm. So I uh made a live performance version of my my version of Drunk in Love was called Drunk in Lust. Mm. So I, I did this one. performance piece that was like basically me performing it live on the drum machine and then having like this shadow world behind me that was like my shadow being projected onto a wall and then this other like intergalactic crazy world on this side that i created myself like i did all the artwork for it um and i worked with jason banker that was the first project we did and i still work with him now just on different things he's like my go-to director of photography but um she saw that video and was like oh nah this nigga's lit. <laughs> let's get him to work on like the intro to the on the run tour. You know, like yo, let's work on the intro. So I was like, this is dope. I'm gonna go work on it. I'm gonna work on it. I didn't get to meet it. It was more like, here's what we're doing. Send us some fast send us something. So they give me direction. I think like Ed Burke, who works there, he was like, yo, got on the phone with me, talked to me about, you know, the direction, everything. I'm like, cool. Send the idea, you know, the back and forth, send it files. And then that led to I right, we need to have him do the whole tour now. Like, the sound design, all that for the whole tour, you know? Um, and then once that's I was a, in that door, it was... Request. I mean, yeah. did you ever think to yourself, I'm in over my head, or this is... Nah. No. Nah. I have so many questions as we were going through this <laughs> yeah. journey. Write them down, because, like, like I never tell people a lot of these stories, like the timeline. <laughs> I like really going through timeline, because then you could go and fact-check everything I'm saying online, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I like to, like give you the fact factual actuals you feel me well we were talking about like you know behind the scenes of how long it actually takes into creating yourself you know and and going back to when you first were mixing to then being hit up by Beyonce to that point and even creating the videos with your visuals how long does it take to put together let's say a mix for specifically an artist as you had done for like Amy um, and Beyonce, um, the videos were separate. You managed mm-hmm. to do that within like a day or so, or mm-hmm. like, you know, what? How long did it take you? Each project the, each was project? each project is different. So I think Amy was like the first one I did. Uh, uh, Visionary Diary, 
Claude, he put me onto Amy Winehouse, um, her Frank album, I believe. Mm-hmm. He had like a black Escalade. He was just riding around. We was going somewhere. I was like, yo, what is that? I thought it was some old. I think he was playing. He might have been no. He might have been playing Back to Black, and I was like, "This sound like some old like oh, I want to sample this because I was into Dilla heavy, mm-hmm. and I was just like sampling all of my old vinyl. So when I heard that, I was like, "This sounds like you know the stuff that I sample." And he was like, "Nah, this is Amy Winehouse." Like yo, but this album is dope. But listen to Frank, and I listened to Frank. I was like, "Oh, Frank is lit. Like that's a, that's fire." But I kept going back to Back is Black. So what's the question you're asking? Like how long the process was? <laughs> oh, the- so with that one, it was like. It took a while because it was my first time doing it. So it was just like, all right, how do I do it and make it sound unique to me? And then the Raphael Sadiq one took a you know a while, like maybe a month or two. Maxwell was like real quick as well. It probably took like three weeks. Maybe. The Maxwell one was crazy too because I got the album on some on the low shit before like two weeks before it came out and i did the whole thing already so when his album dropped i just dropped it like on some next day shit like <laughs> bang, my shit right there so that caught a wave too you know um and yeah the the erica badu one that i did i did it and i never put it out i was like ah i don't know i didn't put it out and what? then like because i didn't feel like it was it was good and I felt like I was maybe just like replicating what I was doing and I wasn't pushing myself like that. But then after sitting and, and you know, like uh, maybe like a year after or something, I was like, oh, nah, this shit's fire. Let me upload it. So I uploaded it. And then the, the Beyonce one was like the quickest one I did, which was like the majority of it was done in the first day or two. And then after that, it was like, because her album came out December... I think the Beyonce self-titled came out like December 28th or something like that. And I think Blue Ivy's birthday is like January 5th. And I was like, I'm going to drop it on Blue Ivy's birthday. Like, happy birthday. Oh, smart. <laughs> so it was like Tactical. real quick. It was like, yeah, you know, just fucking with the internet and just different. I was just like, the you know, it just kind of just being, yeah, just kind of being on some like, just doing what I want. Like, yo, it would be dope to do that as an artist. Like, yo, I fuck with you. Here here goes, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just shows as well from starting point. Of course, it's going to take a little longer. And then as you do it more and more, you get to a yeah. certain speed. So when um, Beyonce, Jay-Z, basically, or Beyonce gave you the project of, like, the outline of, of the intro for the tour. Mm-hmm. Did they give you a time limit as well? Did you have to, like, did you have a deadline in order to create something? And Was there pressure did you um, feel any pressure to live up to a certain standard or you just felt like you know i got this I well know that's next level stuff yeah you know what i mean well the thing with me is like i'm gonna just do it how i want to do it like you know but at the same time I'm not hard i'm hard-headed but i'm also receptive to like creative criticism mm-hmm. you know especially with anyone who i respect or just somebody who i think is genuine even if I don't respect because to respect you, I have to know you to a certain extent. But even if I don't know you and I just like feel like it's come from a genuine place, then I'm a fuck with it. Mm. So with that, it was like, you know, sending music back and forth. And then it was a point where I was like, did she hear it yet? And it was like, no, nah. I was like, I right, make her hear what I did already. And then once she heard it, it was like, I right, nah, come through and do the whole, you know, the whole tour and everything. And I was just like, you know, I'm like, I've been in I've been in my bedroom like up for 24 48 hours working on like one snare for some shit that I 
create and then put on SoundCloud and it gets like, you know, how many amount of plays. Like to do that for an artist or a caliber and get paid to do it and get, you know, the accolades, whatever that comes with it, that was like I was already prepared from just being in my room every day doing that, you know? So it kind of is just like, for me, it's like I know that. And the thing with every artist, you know, is like they're coming to you because you have you have something that they lack in their whole creative realm. So they're coming to you for that. So you have to respect your voice in that setting, mm. you know. And the same way as I'm lacking something that she has that I'm getting to go into her world now and work and have eyes on me and you know, have people see like, okay, this kid makes a whole bunch of other dope shit. You know, it's actually giving me the shivers to yeah. think about that. So I... you have to, you have to have like, you just have to have respect for the artist and respect for yourself to be like, I, right, I'm not just like, if she gives me direction or something, I'm not gonna just do exact. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna put my. She's fucking with me because I'm me. Right. You know what I mean? She, she's fucking with me because I was doing what I was doing, how I was doing it. She specifically said she liked how I fucked with her voice. Mm. You know, so it's like, all right, I'm going to fuck with your voice crazy right now. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do a whole bunch of other shit. You're going to fuck with, you know, it's some shit she fucked with, some shit she didn't. You know, and it's the it's the collaborative, like, especially working with her whole team. Mm. You know, you got to work with the visual side because, you know, with her, it's like you create a song with her and that song is going to live through different dimensions. So as dance in the dance realm is going to live, people are going to create their own dances. The dancers are going to have choreography. Then the visual side, they're going to shoot certain things. They're going to work with certain creatives, certain artists, certain visual artists. So it's like, I'm going to make sure that sonically what I'm doing is A1, like 100%. You know, no complaints, like it's fire. But at the same time, it's going to be me as well, you know? So you mentioned, you know, the accolades, the collaborations, and you mentioned getting paid for something you love doing. So for you, how do you define success for Mello? For me, it's uh, it's really being happy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what makes me happy? Am I happy right now doing this? If I'm not, then I'm not going to do it. You know, so it's like, I always wanted to make a living off of my creations, you know, not specifically music or not specifically art or not specifically creative direction. I just want to make a living off of what I create that makes me happy. That's what I'm doing now. So I'm successful. You, you know? really pushed for it as well. Because yeah. you're not just, you know, you're you're definitely a multi-hyphenated, not threat. I, want, I don't want to say threat because I don't yeah, want a yeah. negative connotation <laughs> to it. Because it's actually a beautiful thing to and a powerful thing to be mm-hmm. able to do everything or the realms that you're in. Because like you mentioned, you created the visual art as well, like with, with going back to the Yonsei project. And, um, and that takes a lot of time as well and mm-hmm. like skill. And how did you get into that realm of visual production? Um, I would say doing when I was in high school doing uh the mixtapes you know I, I would I created all the covers for our mixtapes and I used to sell them in high school like I used to like I was on some shit in high school like 
You're an entrepreneur there. Yeah, yo, they had yo, they had my mix like they mentioned my mixtapes in the yearbook. Like they had like the yearbook like a time capsule. Like what would you take from this year? And it was like yo, DJ One Way mixtapes and that you know because I was the like DJ One Way. He was the DJ, the voice on it. We would collaborate on the projects together, and I did like all the artwork and everything. I did. I would print the shit out, cut you know every cover. I would like uh, make shirts, you know, and and that was like. Uh, you would just buy like this 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 sheet from like Rite Aid and you print on it and then if you iron it on a shirt it comes you know out so that was like my first time working with Photoshop fashion. and shit like that you know what I mean fashion <laughs> you know like so the the visual side came out of a necessity too like we didn't have nobody to go to mm-hmm. to do that so it was like all right I'm gonna learn how to do it I'm gonna make the covers like the first covers was corny like looking at them now it's like this is so bad but. At that time, it was selling. Like, you know, in school, I had teachers buying my shit. I had guards. I would do this thing where it was like, I would buy, so I would buy chips in bulk, like different kind of chips. I would buy Pepsis, like, yeah, Pepsis in bulk, because the school didn't have Pepsis. And I would do like a, you know, like five, like five dollar, like a six dollar mixtape deal. You get a chip, chip you get Pepsi, Pepsi, and you get a mixtape. You know, instead of paying five in the lunchroom and only getting like one thing, I was like, yo. So I had my little location in school at lunchtime, like my little corner, like motherfuckers just come up, like, yo, can I I get, you know what I mean? Did you do this all alone? Yeah, I mean, because, okay, he was in Wingate. Like, we live so close to each other, but for some reason, that one street was like a different zone. Uh-huh. So a lot of my friends that I grew up with, they went to Wingate. And I went to this school called Erasmus, which is close, which is more towards Flatbush Avenue. Um, so, yeah, so I, like, you know, met a lot of new friends there. And I was just, you know, I was like the creative, like, music person in school you know as far in, at that point like i played in a band I, I played during my graduation like you know i also i got a um i got a like a scholarship that paid for my books in college it was oh, based wow. off of me doing i used to do poetry too at like a lot of things in the auditorium like a lot of the events they would have i do like you know like i did a poem on like malcolm x one time and then i did a poem on something else and then i would play piano and play drums you know what i'm saying so it was just like i was like the music person well you know? no wonder you have your yeah. own business creative house yeah. creative extra house. extra creative house. extra, yeah, extra yeah. creative house. <laughs> you can say xch xch yeah, and um so how, how did that come about because that sounds like a fruition of your journey coming mm-hmm. into an, a business and you also develop artists mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you have a special artist development program talk a little bit about that aspect oh uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's like me working with different creatives and just consistently working with them and building really like people who I work with that I fuck with and like we have like a great connection. I just continue to work with them. So like Jason Banker is one. Uh, he's like my go to DP. Um, I've done maybe like four videos with him and then this recent film i did called juve night that's opening in san francisco at the moad uh, museum african diaspora i believe um he was the director of photography on that as well you know so from that first project the yonsei project with him it was like this came out real dope it resonated 
let's continue to work, you know. And then with uh, another group called Integrative Visions, Brian and Michelle, I work with them on a lot of my like projection mapping stuff, VR stuff. Um, and we started working, I forgot how specifically. Oh, I think I did a performance at their loft one time. And because I wanted to do projections, this was like 2000, like this is 2013 or 12 or something. I wanted to do projections. I didn't know who to go to. I met them. I was like, all right, let's do this party and just like experiment with projections, but invite people to come through and like see this performance. So that went dope. And I was like, all right, I'm going to just keep working with them. So once I compiled a lot of people who I was like, yo, I want to work with, you know, further, want to do projects with, I just was like, you know, it, it just made sense for me to have my own my own uh, platform because everything I wanted to do was not specifically Mellow X. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to do some stuff for other artists as well and not have it just be Mellow X. So I was like, all right, extra creative house. Like I got a whole crib of creatives and I just tap into whoever for each project, you know. Um, and then with the artist development, it's kind of the same thing. I met Ty Bass and he put me onto him and all his friends who do music and i was just like yo they the next gen like next generation just you know but also it's like they on some next shit like yo y'all on some next shit like your music sound different y'all you know your minds are so y'all are way advanced than i was at that age kind of thing so um started working with them mentoring them you know bringing them in the studio different things and now it's like continuing to work with them and getting them distribution getting them platform going through the whole process of being a successful artist you know the downfalls and the you know the the uh the game winners and the and the losing and everything just dealing with that with them you know so yeah. you kind of remind me of like well i am like you kind of tap into definitely inspiration yeah, yeah very inspirational and you even have an app that you yeah curate yeah. yeah that's another project with uh with lou um Augusta, who I work with, he uh, he's a developer, um, and I told I came to him, saying, "Hey, him I knew for a while too. We did this like video stuff, but then I was like, I need somebody who does apps, apps, and somebody was like, Yo, Lou. I'm like, Oh, I know Lou. Like I worked with him before. All right, let me hit him up. He was down to meet up with me. I'm like, Yo, I want people to interact with my music. I feel like at that time it was like. For me, I was just like, yo, everybody, I remember just having CDs and having covers and being like, wow. And then now I was, I just felt like you have a million MP3s on your phone or on your device. And it's like yeah. the music, the physicality of it doesn't hold as much weight as it did before. Now it's just like an MP3 amongst a bunch of other MP3s. So I was like, I want people to interact with my shit. So I want to make an app that has this a uh, uh, shape, an octahedron shape. Um and people can move it around and alter the music and everybody has a own listening experience feel me so, That's so started cool. working with him on that and you know now we're in development we have like version two that came out where you can upload your own music you can add effects you can wow. you know i use it too for just like affirmations i'll be like you a sexy motherfucker. <laughs> Put that shit on repeat. Oh, you a sexy motherfucker. You a sexy motherfucker. You know, like, this shit like that. Like, I, I do. And then also just for sound design. So if I hear something in the street that I like, I'll just record it and build my own bank of sounds that I sample from. So I sample from my, my own tailored sounds, you know? 
So, so that's a good app for people to tap into. Yeah, yeah. Curate Alpha yeah. on on uh, Apple, whatever Apple it is. Apple Store. Yeah, right? Apple Store. There you go. <laughs> I get Siri to call me sexy little shit for affirmation. There you <laughs> like, go. Siri, you what's my mean? name? Right. That's how it works. So we all so. got our you gotta there. use technology for 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 all the all the aspects, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's good. I mean. As an artist or even an entrepreneur or business person, you always have to keep evolving, right? Mm-hmm. You always have to change with the times and, and, and create new things and, and do th- new things. So, um, you know, I know there's, you know, for the artists that are out there that aren't forward thinking, ain't thinking the long game. You know, a lot of artists out there or, or people are trying to think of the quick ROI, right? The quick return mm-hmm. on what they can get out. So, um, you know, I think that's very, very important now with the social platforms mm-hmm. and all the different outlets. I mean... It's really a free landscape. It's 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 a wild west. You can mm-hmm. come up with anything your mind can be creative about and and go out and do it. Mm-hmm. But it's just having the passion and the drive to stick with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, time and talent and tenacity. Yeah. I forgot what teacher told me that in, in Institute of Audio Research, but it's like the three T's: time and talent. The right talent at the right time and the tenacity to stay consistent until all of those things line up. So for everybody who's listening who hasn't made it yet, got their break, don't get discouraged. Yeah, don't get discouraged, yo. Just keep going. Like, figure out what's for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, also, I follow my dreams a lot. So a lot of my music early on, like, I would sleep and just have dreams about melodies and ideas and lyrics. I would just wake up, record it. Like, I would go to sleep with the laptop with, like, my computer. It was, like, a Dell computer. I used to, like, build computers. Like, oh, I'm going to have all the best RAM and everything. So I would just have it on. And then when I woke up, I just wake up. I right, let me play the melody I just heard. Boom! I make a whole song. I dedicate. I'm like it's not just an idea that just came. Like nah, I'm about to make a whole thing around this. I'm gonna make a cover. I'm gonna make a whole write up, and I'm gonna send it to people and upload it on SoundCloud. Like taking my shit serious, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking the dream serious, like the inspiration serious, you know. Um, and just finding what I was passionate about and going a hundred percent with what I'm passionate about. So. I think that's a lot of people got to do is go 100% in. 100%, yeah. yeah. You know, if it's if it's a hobby to you, it's not going to work. Um, you know, it's you know when I started my company, it was all or nothing. You know, I had mm-hmm. no plan B. It was, I was either going to survive and make it or I was going to become homeless and right. figure shit out. But, yeah, yeah. You know, there was no in between. Yeah. My and, mom was scared one time. She was like, like after I, uh, after, I feel like after I did, I think maybe after Lemonade came out. You know, she called me crying. I'm like, why are you crying? She's like, yo, I just remember one day, she's like, one day I asked you, like, what if music don't work for you? And I, and I told her, like, I want to die. I was like, yo, I want to die. I don't care. I'll be homeless. I'll be a, I don't care. It's going to work. And she was scared because she was like, yo, I've re-, like, she pray all the time in church. Like, I pray that somebody just hears his, hears his music, fucks with him. I pray, I pray. Like, she was praying, like, please make somebody big or somebody just fuck with his shit because if he don't get this, I don't know what's going to happen mm. to him. Because I was just like, no, I was like, plan B for what? Like, plan A. If I'm yeah. not, if I'm working on plan B, I'm not putting a hundred into plan A. Like, that was the mentality, you know? Right. At that time, not saying that that's the best mentality, but that was my specific for what I did, you know? Yeah. And that's how I felt. That's what I was passionate about. So I did that, you know, a hundred percent. So with anybody's like... You don't have to specifically do that, but if you have a game plan, you have something that you feel like, nah, this is going to work, and you have the visions, you have you get the inspiration, you see in it, 100% do yeah. it, you know? And for me, I would say cut your safety net. You mm-hmm. don't have a safety net because it's going to force you to fall back on something. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. you got nothing to fall back on. You have nothing to do but climb and go up. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
know, and part of that climbing up is falling down too it's like absolutely you know it's really no losses it's only lessons right you know it's winning and lessons you win and then you learn how you know how not to lose yeah you learn how okay next time i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna do this and win so it's just like always just see the winning aspect you know sometimes i would push it up and get like 10 plays a hundred plays and then I put something else up it got like a thousand plays mm-hmm. you know I didn't keep recreating that I was like alright what was the energy I put into that that made that okay this is what I did I had all these different things lined up alright let me do that again with this oh I see it's resonating again okay let me do it another way let me expound on that idea you know so if you don't mind uh, kind of touching on it what was yeah. your biggest fall and how did you climb your way back up um I think as far as, like, I think just the constant, like, independent artist-type mind frame of, like, people not fucking with you the way you want them to. People not, you know, people not uh, being as receptive to the music the way you want, you know. Having, not being able to pay a bill or something when, you know, you're putting music out for sale and nobody's really buying it or there's a bunch of people buying it but it's not enough. You know, sometimes you got to, sometimes your plays have to be over a certain amount before they deposit the money type shit. You know, it's different things. So I think the downfall was just the fear of that. The fear of being, you know, fearful of that. Just being like, damn, like, if this doesn't happen, like, you know, I might just have to go get a a job now. Like, I'm going to just, you know, having those ideas. And then for me specifically, it's like having my sister around, having my best friends around, you know, having my girl around who's like, nah, keep going. Like, nah, do it like this. I so switch it up, do that. Like, nah, what are you talking? Like, my sister would be like, oh, what are you talking? You sound crazy. Like, trying to quit? Like, what? Yeah. She like, like, damn near beat me up. Like, what are you talking about? You know? So, um, I think that was probably, like, the main thing. Just, like, self-doubt and, like, dry, like going into that cocoon of self-doubt and just, like... Hi, and I'm not gonna do anything because nobody's fucking with it. I don't care. But did you, on the flip side, you know? do you have any friends growing up who said, "Oh, Mel, you're not gonna make it"? Or why are you doing that? Why are you chasing um, that? Are you really to fuck with that? I think it was more so. Yo, you got to do one thing. You can't do everything. That was the thing. Like, you can't do everything, bro. You got to focus. So I was like, but I'm focused on doing everything. <laughs> I'm like, and not just yeah. doing everything. It's just like, I love all the aspects. Like, I'm looking at the album covers. I'm looking at who does the album cover. I keep seeing Jonathan Mannion's name for photography. So I'm like, okay, he's doing a lot of these covers that are iconic. That's dope. Let me study some of his stuff. All right, who's doing the production? Oh, these producers. Let me study that. Okay. When I, when I go to get music, like when it was like a Tower Records or whatever, you go, you see the album cover. Like I'll go for one thing and I'll see a cover like, ooh, what's that? So, I've, so I'm not hearing the music yet, but I'm looking at the artwork. So I'm like, oh, that's an aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then, oh, I like that. Then I see the music video. Damn, I got to I keep watching this music video over and over. Why am I watching it over and over? Oh, because there's a director involved. There's a... You know, there's a uh, uh, there's choreography involved. You know, there's cinematography. There's you know color correction involved. There's all these things. I'm like, okay, that's why I like this. So just for me, I was like, I right, I'm gonna learn. You know, I would never try to be like, not that I'm not trying to be the best, but it's more so learning enough to execute what I want to execute for me. You know, and doing that was just like I just loved creating, like yeah. whatever it is. I just like create. Like I like cooking. 
You know, I like, I solve Rubik's Cubes and then like I'll solve them and then I'll just create different patterns. Like, ooh, boo, I'll t show my girl, look at this pattern I just made. It's just crazy, right? Like, I just like creating. So it's just like, you know, I never wanted to box myself in as just a this or just a that. It's like, I just, you know, want to create whatever, you know? I hear that. So if you could collaborate with someone that you haven't collaborated with, who would it be? Um, hmm. I don't know. They could be dead. Mm. Dead or alive. Okay, I'll let you sit on that then. Let me sit because it's like, not <laughs> that I've worked with everybody I want to, but it's like, I really feel blessed when, you know, I get those opportunities. But for the most part, I'm always just like focused on like what I have going on right now. Like right now I'm in like daddy mode. So I'm just like, you know, me and my girl, like we've been having dreams like crazy. Like we have... Like, the other night, I swear, our son was talking to us because we both had that exact same dream, and he was in I'm like, the exact same dream, the exact same setting, people, same people in the dream. I'm like, yo, that happened to you too? Yeah, that happened to me. Da -da. I'm like, wow, I, I want to tap into this baby telekinesis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, that's the new wave. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so whatever I'm into is like, you know, I just, I kind of go 100%, you know, and I dive into, like, all the different aspects of, of how it works, of, you know, what makes it stay in motion, you know, creatively or in life or spiritually or, you know. Yeah. yeah. So you really don't force anything. It kind of just comes to you. Nah. Just, you know, come, yeah. yeah. And then some things I do, I'm like, you know, like with the film, Juve Night, um, it's coming out next month. Uh, I was like, you know, I could get somebody to do the uh, color correction, but I want to learn color correction, you know, so on my YouTubes, boom, you know, talking to the director of photography, like, oh, so how you do this? How you do that? All right, boom, boom, boom. Studying, like, Belly, you know, like the movie Belly, like when they went to Jamaica, mm -hmm. and the first time they went to Jamaica, and I'm just like, oh, Hype Williams, like, he's, like, who did his, uh, you know, who's the director of photography for his shit? Like, you know, just studying that scene over, or I would watch that scene, like, I would have a day just dedicated to watching that scene over and over and over, and then I go to my film, turn like one like shadow like down minus three okay now watch the film look at my film like okay color red up two percent hmm okay boy until i was like oh i right. now i kind of see why this worked i see how he captured black skin in in the dark setting so i'm like i right, lit now i know how to like fully go in on my film so i didn't have to just same idea of like sample. I didn't have to go and just copy that. Now, now I could create my own way of how it looks for my film, you know? So I don't know if that answered what you said. I mean, I feel like that's telling a lot of like, as a creator, you're not just creating, you're really learning a lot. You're really yeah, it's more so learning than, yeah. that's the process of creating too, is like learning, being the student, you know what I'm saying? Being the being the student at all times, like especially in certain rooms with certain artists, I just be soaking up mad shit. They probably don't even know they teaching. I'm just like, oh, I see that. Like you know, seeing like J and B, like how they work together, how he was, you know, every meeting we had, he was there. You know what I'm saying? Supporting. You know what I mean? Like she'd be talking, ask, you know, everybody talk. All right, so what you think? And he'd be like, oh, I think this, da da da. All right, cool. Next person, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? What do you think? Like, collaborative effort and then, you know, taking in uh, information 
you know, not being, uh, not being like, you know, not being so on a pedestal like, or like on the thing. Yeah, where it's like, right, you know. But that's the thing. If it is something that you're passionate about, that you has to be like that because maybe culturally it means something mm-hmm. or conceptually it means something, then yeah. But if it's something that is like, it's just an idea that's dope and somebody has a better one, all right, let's go with the better one. Not, nah, we got to go with my idea because it's mine. You know, yeah. it's more like what's going to make the execution of this be 100% top level, yeah. you know. And for me, the reason why I do a lot of the stuff that I do because I've seen with my work specifically, when I do a lot of, you know, when I'm kind of like the creative director in a sense of my shit, it resonates with people a lot, mm-hmm. with my audience. So I just continue to do that. Here's a film that I did that. I did the sound design. I did the, uh, you know, I edited, I did the color correction, I did this, it's conceptually about this, like, there's a body of work that's, you know, about something specific, and you know it's from me, and it's authentic to what I do. Here you go. That's what has worked for me, you know, from day one, so. I know you're in daddy mode right now, but I'm curious, like, what, what project you would like to work on next, like, whether it's more music or visual or... (laughs) <laughs> or um, if you're gonna set up a stage for your baby let's just say oh that my, God. my baby about to have a lit set up you know? <laughs> like I'm curious to know me? what the baby's room's gonna look like I yeah. feel like it's gonna be amazing like but you know what it might, effects it might and... be real corny yo like I said I'm about to be like the dad mode like so it might just be real regular you know you never know sometimes simplicity is key right? you know sometimes mm-hmm. simplicity in a world with so much like all over the place simplicity could like um stick out, you know? It's like when Lady Gaga was wearing mad wild shit and then she just wore like a suit. It was like, oh my God, uh, she has on a suit. Cause they used to seeing her with like fucking meat, meat, meat all over her. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's really like finding finding the balance in that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate you coming out, you know, down to Virginia Beach. Um, you know, for the for the event for the Hollywood Chills. Hell yeah! And, thanks for uh, having me, y'all. Yeah, no, it, yeah, yeah. it means a lot, and you know, I really appreciate you always wanting to give back. Yeah, you know, giving back too. and with information. You know, information is key. Yeah, it's all about yeah. helping us, extending a hand and helping the next person up, and yeah, yeah. And, and, inspiring those who inspire me. You yeah, know? Absolutely, man. So, you know, I appreciate you coming out, Irmon, as always. Word, of course. Yeah, love being back home. Thanks for helping me yeah. set up and. Missy Asman, thank you for everything too as well. Thank you for um, having me. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the event tomorrow. And um, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So that's it. Thanks for having you. Word. Right, I hope I ain't uh, talk too much. I like talking more than less though, because I don't really be giving mad gems out, and I feel like I have a lot of gems to give out. So it's like time to just give it out more and more. You know, yeah. information. There's a information currency as well as creative currency. Yeah. You know. So for everybody listening, where should they follow you at if they're not following you? Yo, Mellow Extra everywhere. Instagram, Mellow Extra, Facebook, Twitter, everything. M E L O X T R A. That's on social media. Um, or you can just Google Mellow Dash X. Get your Googles up. Feel me? See what? I, <laughs> see what? I always got some shit on Google. You ain't gonna. You ain't gonna. Uh, you ain't gonna go wrong doing a Google search. So there you go. There you yeah. go. And Miss Yasmin, everyone wants to follow you who's not following you just uh, yet. If you want to. <laughs> um, my name is at Yasmin Tanris. You can Google that as well. But you can also Google Yasmin Tamwijaya Pajaris if you can Ooh, remember that. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Erman. You can find me at uh, Erman underscore L-A, E-R-M-A-N underscore L-A, or Erman Taraj, E-R-M-A-N-T-O-U-R-A-G-E. Erman Taraj is fire. That's what's Thanks. up. Yeah. And of course, me, you can follow me at just at Romeo Spino, and that's pretty simple. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Thank you. All right, peace. Thanks, Thank Mello. You. All right. Thanks. All right.